where do I go when there's nobody there to turn to? Who do I talk to when there's nobody there to listen? Who do I lean on when there's no foundation stable? I go to the rock, I know he's able. I go to the rock. To the rock of my salvation I go to the stone that the builders rejected I run to the mountains And the mountains stand by me The earth around me is seeking sand On Christ the solid rock I stand When I need a shelter When I need a friend I go to the rock Where do I hide? When the winds trouble, where do I run to? When the winds of sorrow blow, is the refuge in my time of tribulation. When my soul needs consolation, I go to the rock. I go to the rock of my salvation I go to the stone that the builders rejected I run to the mountains and the mountains stand by me The earth around me is seeking sand On Christ the solid rock I stand When I need a shelter and when I need a friend I go to the rock When I need a shelter when I need a friend Amen. Why don't you stand to your feet this morning as we get ready to receive the Word of God from the gift of God. Come on, with a shout of Jesus' joy and a mighty hand clap. Let's welcome our pastor, Pastor Chris. Praise the Lord. You may all be seated. Thank you very much for that warm welcome. It's a blessing to be here and a blessing to share with all of you this morning what the Lord wants us to hear. Amen. Do you love church? Some people didn't even answer. This is. Don't be sad. Be glad. We want to greet all those tuning in on Facebook that can't be here. You are also welcome. Please uh, inform others that we are now live for the next hour. And then they can also, through modern technology, enjoy the Word of God. Hallelujah. Now you that has been selected to sit in this chairs has been specifically selected because I can see you. I can't see those on Facebook. So they don't have to smile. They don't have to show glad faces. They can make coffee or even lie down. But you that have been selected to be here, it is expected of you to bring some joy into the tabernacle of the law. Hallelujah. Otherwise we can remove dead corpses and bring in lively people. Hallelujah. And that's my welcome for you today. Well, 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 well. Today I want to speak to you from um, Jeremiah chapter 18. If you have Bibles, we'll be going there. Hallelujah. Jeremiah 18. just sort myself out here. Verse 1. I wonder if I um, should read in the King James or maybe NLT. 
All right. Hallelujah. I want to speak to you this morning about the potter's wheel and um, about how God restores order. I want to share if God gives me the ability and the grace for a few weeks uh, from a little book I'm writing pertaining to order, God's divine order. And um, let's first read together and then I will start to preach. Hallelujah. The Lord gave another message, NLT. The Lord gave another message to Jeremiah. God is always giving messages. Amen. It is just that the people don't hear, then oftentimes He will give another message. Hallelujah. He said, Go down to the potter's house or the potter's shop and I will speak to you there. God doesn't speak anywhere. There are specific places that you need sometimes to go to to find the presence of God. Although God is omniscient, that's all-knowing, omnipresent everywhere, there are specific occasions when His presence is in certain places. Are you listening? The chances are not that His presence is in the Shabin. The chances are more likely that it's in the church. Sometimes we can have a form of church and the presence is also not here. If there's something we must really desire is the presence of the law. I'm not going to talk about but I'm full of that because I'm reading this book, The Anointing and the Presence. And it's very powerful. The presence speaks of the aura of a person, the voice of a person, and the gifts of a person. Hallelujah. I could give you a gift today, but I never see you again. You could have my gift, but you don't have my presence. It's a difference. Which means there's not more gifts that can come to you. But if you find my presence, you will be then at an advantage. Because more gifts can be deposited into you. The Bible says, Jesus said to them, go to Galilee. I will meet you there. You see. After his resurrection. And then he said again, go back to Jerusalem. Wait in the upper room. I will visit you there. So the presence and the anointing that you are looking for is often geographically located in places. And if you're not willing to move, lift up yourself and move, you see, you might be surprised that watching me on Facebook, watching TBN, all these wonderful preachings, it's not the same as sometimes coming into the presence. Are you listening? Go to the potter's house. There, I will speak to you. And here God speaks again through pictures, symbols and examples. Are you listening to me? He said, I did what the Lord told me to do. Hallelujah. And I found the potter working at his will. But the jar he was making did not turn out as he hoped. And so he crushed it into a lump of clay again. Say again. And that word again is an important word because it speaks of the mercy of God. Hallelujah. You need many agains in your life after you've made mistakes so that God can give you another chance and you can start all over again. Are you listening? The jar he was making did not turn out as he had hoped. So he crushed it into a lump of clay again and started over. 
Then the Lord gave me this message. He said, "O oh Israel, can I not do to you as the potter has done to his clay? As the clay is in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand." Glory be to God. Amen. Hallelujah. Is our thing rolling? I have an interruption on my phone, but I'm sure it's working on the other phones. Somebody checking? Is everybody doing their duties that must do their duties? I'm busy doing mine. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Some time ago, um Pastor Clint was introducing me and he made the statement that he said I teach on many important subjects he said uh, he said I teach on loyalty often and also on the anointing and I and I want to believe those are two subjects I'm really interested in but he said he made a statement he said he thinks from his uh perception or maybe from what he has seen is that one of the main thrust of my ministry is order And uh, I thought about what he said and I realized there's a lot of truth in what he's saying. And I also realized that uh, and that's why I wrote this little book. The, the book was first entitled Jai Seni for Maine, but I changed it a little bit because that's only one chapter in the book. I really wanted to appeal to a certain audience. And the audience is you. That's the way you talk most, no? Jai Seni, if you're from another country, you might not quite understand the colloquial language of my nation and my group and my umtetwa. But they like, they, 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 there's a, there's a, there's a stubbornness and independence spirit amongst us. And often this term is used, Jai Seni for many. So that's a little chapter in the book about how common rebellion is. and our common this independence but and uh, the hate the hatred for instruction and advice is very common amongst us that's why we have a large rate of failure say amen if it's not true then you say not true large rate of teenage failure expectation is not rich that expectation with that you that you have when you are first presented to your mother in swaddling clothes this little baby so beautiful but the beauty turns later to a beast through disobedience stubbornness and rebellion so you don't achieve the goals that your parents thought you would become this beautiful princess that was presented at birth in Tigerberg hospital or in the maternity ward Huh? So we said all oh, then I thought about that maybe maybe it's true maybe maybe I'm my the, my wiring is in such a way that anything that's out of order or disorderly it kind of irritates me and displeases me. Dr. Mike Murdoch writes a very uh, wonderful keys on order but he says that if something's out of order it brings irritation. You don't feel comfortable. And so he says that order, uh, some one of the purposes of order is to create comfort. You feel comfortable and you feel secure. When there's chaos or disorder, you don't feel that. Are you listening? Mm. And that's why you build walls. You build walls in life to make you secure. and to give you comfort and uh, even even the the throne of heaven or the new jerusalem has walls to to keep thumbs walls are made to keep some things in and some things out are you with me and i and i gave you a scripture yesterday as i was preparing your hearts for today's sermon to says the repairer of the breach in other words god has God has uh, appointed me or called me to re- to to repair the broken wall of the city. 
and I'm talking about you and me and the walls around our lives that's broken down. Oftentimes when something is broken, you use the word, this thing is out of order. Is it true? <laughs> this thing is not working. It's, it's not only things that are not working. Oftentimes, people are not working. Oftentimes, relationships is not working. The marriage is not working. But I realize as I read more and more and I think a lot and I ask the Holy Spirit to give me revelation in this area. I actually have come to some conclusions that the message of order is the message of mercy. And I specifically want to talk through it so that these things are recorded and I can just use some of it that I, as I speak, I transcribe it onto paper. Hallelujah. The message of order, it struck me that if I think about all these things, it's the message of mercy. Because if you can describe order like this, order is the perfect arrangement of things. Are you listening? In other words, you put your clothes in order. Ah, the room is nice and tidy. You say the room is in? Allah ah. say plek. Everything is on its place. You would say that these things are in order. But I, 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 I also think that order could also mean the perfect arrangement not only of things but also of events and then thirdly of people. One day, I shared this with my wife yesterday, I, I was involved in some dispute and uh, a lawyer phoned me to ask me some questions. And when I told my lawyer to use that word for no, other, for no better word that I can find now. I told my lawyer that I had this phone call. And he said, did this lady speak to you? I said, yes. And I said, did, he said, did she ask you questions? I said, yes. He said, but she's out of order. And I, that thing always struck with me because I realized in the legal process that they work with, there is also an order. And this person was stepping out of line, doing something she was not supposed to do. So there was nothing broken in my, in my room, but the person was broken. The person breaking the law and the protocol and the, and the legal agreement is out of order. Are you with me? So I've come to, to see that We have order versus disorder. And you, you were actually created for order. <laughs> you can become so used to disorder that yet creativity in you is dead. And you used to, you, you used to things are not right. So you think maybe this is the way it should be. And the enemy succeeds to kill that which was good in you. That God birthed in you. But generally you will feel if you come into an untidy room that you feel irritated and agitated and aggravated. And then you want to move out. Yes or no? But when you come into a neat place you feel, ah, yeah, I want to, yeah, I want to stay because order creates comfort and security. Are you listening to me? Now the Bible says in 1 Corinthians, God is not a God of disorder, but of order. It's when Paul was explaining how things must be done in the Corinthian church, when things were completely out of order. Let me give you that scripture so that you can also have it. It's in uh, 1 Corinthians 14.33. Quickly, 1 Corinthians, I should actually look here, but 1 Corinthians 14.33. Can somebody just fix this for me? 
God is not the author of confusion, but of peace as in all churches of the saints. Hallelujah. God is not the one who starts confusion and disorder. It comes from somewhere else. Are you here? Are you listening to what I'm saying? Now, if you try to see God's environment, you, you see in Revelation chapter 20, he explains what heaven is like. That's where I, I, I got the idea of the four walls. There'll be a new heaven and a new earth, right? And then he says, uh, in this new Jerusalem, you will see what is the environment God likes to dwell in. <laughs> and then he explains what it looks like. Not once did he mention that there were papers lying in the street and people trying to clean it. It, 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 it. It's a description of a place of perfect order. It says the walls are made of jasper, order and excellence. The gates was a pearl gate, a gate of pure pearl. He said the street, the main street was made of pure gold. Maybe I must show you all these things because you don't look like you believe me. Um, go to Revelation 20 quickly. Eesh. It's not in my notes though, but, but I'm just... Find that the walls of Jasper and the streets of gold towards the end. Amen. So you see a place that's very nice and very tidy. Very clean. This was God's original intent. And um, even when God made the heavens and the earth, you'll see the description that everything was good and everything was nice. Amen. Genesis 1 verse 2 declares, oh, there it is before you go. The walls was made of jasper, the city was gold and glass. Is it, does it look like a nice place? Go, go to the next line. Yeah, precious stones was there. Sapphire. These are all precious stones. If you know anything about jewelry, you ask the jewelry jewelers for these things, you'll see. It's not the glass that you have in your ring that looks like a diamond. I'm talking about real diamonds. The third gate, emerald, and then the, in verse... 20 talks about streets of gold Genesis chapter 1 verse 2 the Bible says that the earth was, was without form and without void and the spirit of the Lord was moving on the face of the waters generally many scholars in the, in the, that studied the Bible believe that there was, there was something that happened between Genesis 1 verse 1 and Genesis 2 verse 2 Sorry, Genesis 1 verse 1 and Genesis 1 verse 2. Because Genesis 1 verse 1 says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And every time we see when God creates something, He makes it good, isn't it? But in verse 2, it says, The earth was, was empty, without form and without void. Verse 2, The earth was formless and empty and darkness covered the deep waters. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters ready to create again. Hallelujah. So there was a disorder and a type of a chaos and a formlessness and an emptiness in Genesis 1 verse 2. And some, some scholars, if you, if you study biblical um, scholars and these things, they talk about some cataclysmic event. It could be there where Satan rebelled. They're not sure, but they just know that it shows when God creates things, His things are always nice. How come here was no form and no void? Meaning there was something happened there between verse 1 and verse 2. The Bible doesn't tell us. Some other books tell us, but because those are not the Bible, we don't really believe anything easily, you know. We take it with a pinch of salt. So we stick to the Scriptures, which is the perfect will of God. Hallelujah. But it says, then God started to create again. And he said, let there be light, and there was light. Let there be this, they, let the firmament separate. And, and, and he said, everything he made was good. Hallelujah. Everything God made is good. That's why you are, there, there's good in you because God made you. Glory to God. Human beings can't make human beings. They try in these uh, but it's, it's like only movies, only movies. They can make aliens who get up from 
with the robots inside of them, but they can't, up till today, they can't do it. They can't understand the wonderful scientific power to show the authority and the power of God. Hallelujah. So the Bible tells us that God made all these things beautiful and in order. There's nothing of chaos in the, in the, in the creation. Hallelujah. That the sun rises, the sun sets, the earth evolves, the moon comes up. The songwriter says, who made the sun? Who told the sun where to, where to rise in the morning or something? And who told the oceans, you mustn't come over Delft, just stop there by Strandfontein. Hey! If some cataclysmic event happens and the order is broken and the ocean comes. That's why you see only the poor people live on the flats called the Cape Flats. The rich people move higher up the mountain in case a tsunami or something strikes you. Always be prayerful. But God saw that it was good. Who told the moon where to hide till the evening? Hey! I know my Redeemer loves. Hallelujah! Because how can these things be? Order! Beautifully made and in perfect order! Then along comes the enemy. And it disrupts everything. It deceives the woman. The woman deceives the man. Entices the man. Manipulates the man. Forgive. The man believes the woman. And sin enters the world. And because of sin, death. Therefore, curses come. You can't walk bare feet anymore because thorns will now prick your feet. Woman will give Difficulty in birth and man will die. It was not so in the beginning, but now because of sin comes death. But God throughout the ages has shown his mercy to mankind because if God had acted on many of the promises he made, then we shouldn't be here today. But he said, okay, they've made the mistake. Cast them out of the garden. But I, I'll make a plan for them. I'll, I'll try to find another way to help these people, to save them. And through the Old Testament, God brought in Shadows and types of things like animal sacrifices, going to the priest, doing things in a certain way so that he can restore the order that he originally wanted for us to enjoy. Remember, order creates what? Comfort. Order creates productivity. Oh, when, you, when, when you come into your dirty room, uh, you can't work nice. You first have to start cleaning. And it takes two, three hours to clean a place. That your place might take five hours. It takes long to clean your place because now, <coughs> you see, uh, I can't really work. I'm not productive because Allah says, Dear Maka. Now you're looking for a file that you put somewhere, but because it's not in order, it affects your productivity. But when you come into a neat place and you're a person that's melancholic in temperament and everything is where it should be, then you suddenly discover that you are very neat and you, can, you are very productive. They don't buy a mirror because that is one of the benefits of order. Productivity and fruitfulness. Are you with me? Now God is in the business of restoring. Bringing things back like he originally wanted it. But it's a struggle. And the Old Testament is full of wars and, and, and battles for God to, dis, 
to try and restore us all. To try to restore his man. Fallen man must be restored. And the ultimate plan of God was actually that nobody can actually make right what is wrong. Only God himself. He didn't really want to do it because it's not his fault. Are you with me? It's not his fault. We were the ones that were supposed to, to take the blame and to take the fault and to take the fall. But then his salvation plan of sending Jesus Christ to us was his ultimate plan to restore the order. Are you with me? To restore the order. And throughout the ages and up till today, all the preaching that comes from the pulpit is to try to restore the divine order of God. All the preaching, the rebukes, the commands, the chastisement, the correction, the instruction is to bring us into the order. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I don't know if you know that God is both a God of love but of judgment. Why? Because God is a righteous God. When God is a righteous God, it means everything He does is right. And when He tells you He's going to do something, He's also a God of His word. There's no lies in God. There's no uh, untruthfulness in God. There's, there's no hypocrisy in God. There's no scheming. There's no scallum. We live in such a scallum society, it's a joke. My son was telling us that he drove, he was riding a bicycle in, in, the, in a beautiful state the way he lives in the USA. And he saw the kids' bikes were all lying outside on the street. In the, in the, the kids, after they cycle, they just leave their bike there by the, by the gate. There's no gate actually, there's just a post box, letter box. And he saw all these bikes and he asked his friend, why are these bikes? And no, the children... They go inside, they leave the bikes there and they can come out later again. Oh. And my son was surprised. He said, hey, where I come from, these bikes would have been gone, sold in the pawn shop. And so sin is, brings chaos, disorder, Wickedness. Are you with me? But God's design is to bring you back to order. Now, when God speaks about these things, you'll notice that He doesn't act always on the punishment He promises us because of His mercy. Everybody say mercy. The word mercy means escaping judgment. There's a judge. The judge has already cast the verdict, but the mercy of God prolongs it and says, okay, give him a chance. Give her a chance. Maybe if I give her some more time, she will make the right decision. Maybe she will turn back from her disorder and return to where I want her to be. But you'll see glimpses of God's anger in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. In the Old Testament, in Samuel, you see that God told David, or David felt prompted in his heart to bring the Ark of God back. The Ark of God was a, was a, ay, now I must also explain because I'm not sure you'll understand. It was something Moses had made when he was in the wilderness. It presented the presence of God. It was a big box and on it was like gold angels, cherubim and cherubim. It presented the, pres the, 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 the presence of God and inside was the, the Ten Commandments, the tablets of stone and the budding rod of Aaron. But every time the Israelites used to march, this was the ark that they used to take ahead of them to show that they are dependent on God. And every time the ark went, they defeated the enemies. Hallelujah. But then the Philistines came and they took the ark, captured, but, captured the ark. But when David became the king, he wanted to go and fetch the ark again. And he did so. But he did it in the wrong way. 
And something that might seem so trivial, something that might seem small to the normal person, was big to God. Because God gave Moses the instruction, this is the order, how I want you to carry this thing. Because the presence of God is not something you can treat the way you want to treat it. It's not something you can treat lightly. It must be done the way I instruct you to do it. It's in 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 9. 2 Samuel 6, verse 9. I quickly show you when God reacts to people who disobey His orders. He says, David was afraid. No, no, no. Go to verse 7 quickly. Verse 6. They busy, they fetched the ark of God. It was in a, one person's house called the Binadab. And the two boys that grew up with the Binadab, they came with a kutz. You know the kutz? Perakar. Hmm. When they arrived at the threshing floor, the oxen stumbled. The oxen stumbled. So it was almost like the ark was going to fall. And the, the one man, Uzzah, he reached out his hand and he steadied the ark of God. He stopped it. And look what happened to him in verse 7. Then the Lord's anger was aroused against Uzzah. And God struck him dead because of this. So Uzzah died beside the ark of God. And now to cut the long story short, David was afraid of the Lord that day. And they realize that God is a God of judgment. Because I told you do it this way. You wanted to do it your way. And I'll now show you my vengeance and my anger. Then afterward, after three months, after the ark was moved to somebody else's house. And they saw that God blessed this person. David said, no, 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 go fetch the ark. But this time, this time, do it exactly like God told Moses to do it. Nobody, no, anybody can't just carry this box. This box is precious in the eyes of God. Let the Levites put the poles through the side and four of them on each, each one on each corner lift it up and carry it in the proper way. And after every seven steps, there must be a sacrifice of bulls and animals and a feasting to the Lord. Hallelujah. And then they brought the ark of the Lord back to Jerusalem in its proper way. Acts chapter 5 verse 1. You see the anger of God again when Ananias and Sapphira took the money that they promised first of all to give to the temple. To give to Peter and to the early apostles. But they lied to the Holy Spirit and Peter asked them, Acts chapter 5 verse 1. Why have you let Satan fill your heart you lied to the Holy Spirit and you kept some of the money for yourself. These are two short examples and the Bible says he, he fell dead. Go to verse 4. <clears throat> you were not lying to us but you were lying to God. And I think it's in verse 6 where it says Ananias heard these words. He fell to the floor and he died. Hey. Now ladies and gentlemen if God who has a perfect order, should strike people dead for stepping out of order. That was Zaymos Lanka. I would have been. You see, so what saves us from the mistake is this thing called the mercy of God. God's mercy towards you is extended towards you, brother. The escape from the judgment. Because although God is a God of love, God is a God of mercy. Hallelujah. And that's why Jesus Christ is the fixer. He's come to fix what was broken. If your car is broken, you go to a mechanic, isn't it so? And I don't know what else. There's many things that are broken. There's a specialist that fixes anything that is broken. But no one can fix the problem of sin. The real person to fix your sin problem is Jesus Christ. The only one. He's the restorer. 
the rebuilder of the bridge. Hallelujah. He's the only one that can restore and it is His mercy that is extended to all of us. As God restores us into His order because many things are broken in many people's lives. Hallelujah. But the first thing that must be restored is your relationship with God. And nobody can fix that. Nobody can, only Jesus. There is therefore no salvation in any other but in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You can't come to the Father in another way. Only one way. You can't go to the mechanic to fix your sins. You can't go to the fridge repairman to fix your sins. You need the blood of Jesus to cleanse you. And the blood is what restores the order. The blood is the extinction of God's mercy to you. Because you are broken. And you need to stop by the potter's house for mending. Jesus is the potter. And he mends things. But some of your lives are so broken, we can't even use super glue just to patch the pot back again. We have to break it completely. Say again. Now, you say, no, but pastor, but I had that experience. Oh, yes, you did. You see? But what about when you failed God yesterday? What about when you failed Him last week? What about the day you got into bed with Susie and you know you are not married to Susie? Hey! What about the time you stole the money that you should not have stolen? And the constant lying that you lie every day. That's why the Bible describes God as His mercies being new every morning, every morning. And His faithfulness to be true. Extended mercy, extended mercy. I were told the people, come into the ark, come in. I laughed at him, they mocked at him. And God's mercy was available to the people. However, the Bible says that God's spirit won't always, in Numbers, God's spirit won't always strive with man. I give you this, Numbers 14, 18. There comes a time when the door to God's mercy is shut. Are you listening to me, friends? There comes a time when the door of God's grace for you is open. If it closed for the days of Noah, when God was so angry with the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah, He was about to smote them with fire. It was Abraham who interceded and said, Show your mercy! Extend your mercy. God said they deserve to die. They have broken the order. What is the order? The order is God's divine will for your life. Man has an order, but man's order, it doesn't work if it doesn't line up to God's order. Are you with me? So man felt there was nothing wrong for men to sleep with men and women to sleep with women in Sodom and Gomorrah. But according to God's divine order, it was wrong. It's broken. The relationship is broken. In the society today, governments, organizations, they say it's not wrong. The man has a feeling for another man. The woman has a feeling for another woman. That's their order. They are okay with it. They want to stamp it as okay. But if I read my Bible, I see God is not, this is not God's style. This is not God's design. This is not God's order. God's creation did not include this. It's a depravity that has come through sin and fallen man. And God wants you to be restored. But some people want to stay the way they are and so they find reasons to say, isn't this okay? 
It can't be okay for you. It's okay for the government. It's okay for society. But on God, if, if God's word is true, and I know it's true, then many things are not okay that we find to be okay in society. Uh, I'm not coming to talk about those things now because my time is so limited. But I can delve into many cabinets in your life and see the disorder. Because the Word of God has been given. Jesus gave us, the, Jesus Christ came as the fixer to fix broken things. And the first thing He comes to fix is your broken life. You were separated from God because of sin. He came to make a bridge and said, come on, I'll bring you back. I've come to restore the, the order. So you get married. You don't know how to behave. He's left us two powerful things. Must I tell you what is he? He's left us his word. He first came himself. The word became flesh and he walked amongst us. We beheld His glory and His image. Hallelujah. And He explained to us how we can restore the order. God's whole job is to restore the order. Let me, let me tell you that. It, 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 it's such a struggle that eventually this world is going to come to an end. It's a temporary repair job that has been done all the time until God eventually pulls the plug on humanity and says, enough is enough. Many people thought that this coronavirus is the end. But the, because the end is coming, then there'll be a new heaven and a new earth. When that old foe Satan is tied up and thrown into the dungeon. Are you with me? Then he can pollute and deceive the world no more. But while he's around, you are being persuaded by delusions, deceptions, the, the fallen state of man the sinful nature of man and all God is trying to do is to bring you back to order so your marriage is out of order die vrou sit op die man sy kop maar sy moet ondergewees het and the, the, then the word when the, the Lord left us but he left his word he said I go to prepare a place for you hey I like what he said I said, stay a little longer in this polluted world. It's not easy. Because there will be devils. There will be demons. There will be wicked people. But I give you two things. I give you the word. And I give you the spirit. Yes. Hallelujah. The word will guide you. And the spirit will help you. Hallelujah. You just open the Bible. You see. What is the order of God? It's in the Bible. Open it. You'll see it. Huh? Oh, this is how I must behave. Get into order, sister. You are out of order. Brother, get into order. You are out of order. People, events, and things. Are you with me? Protocols. That's why people like me, uh, it's, uh, I'm, I'm sure there are many like this. It's inbred in our system. When we see something that's not right, it's out of order. But you've become so used to it, you see. Like you can become used to sin also. You can become used to death. I'm just giving that an example. Now the person who's immediately is affected by, 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 by disorder, he says, pick up these papers. You, you, you walk past it, you didn't see it. You become so, you, you've become so accustomed to this worldly system. That, that is... In Revelation it says, there'll be a pure river. There'll be a river of pure crystal. It's crystal clear. To think, yeah. Yesterday I saw on TV, Mandela Day. They cleaned the river somewhere in Johannesburg. How many of you saw that? I don't know how many thousands of people had to go with dirt, rubbish bags, to throw in the dirt from that river that was pollu that's polluted by the people. But, but, but heaven is not like that. Jesus said, okay, don't worry. Stay. Don't worry. I won't leave you here. I'm going to prepare a place for you. There's perfect order there. He's a mercy man. I'm going to come and fetch you. 
and take you to my place of perfect order. But whilst you are here, listen to the prophets and the preachers. Their job, their only job really is bringing things into alignment and into order of God's perfect order. If there's order, there's security and there's comfort. Order removes strife. Are you with me? There cannot be order if there's strife. Order creates peace. But if there's and that's why we remove orangus from amongst us because we can't have order if if there's a protocol of how we behave according to God's word, but somebody is not with us and is against us and wants to cause strife. Are you listening to me? Let me close. God is a God of order. Hallelujah. The shadows of the Old Testament, they only told us that the real hero is coming. He's coming to fix everything. And He has come. That's why these songs of Jesus being the, the only one that can do it for you is important. Because no one can take His place. No one can take his place because the Bible says in Ephesians, that's why he's been given the name that's above every other name. You see, in Revelation it says, God was about to, God wanted the scrolls to be opened. But the elder said, there's no one found worthy. John, John was with the angel and he started to cry. He said, but no one can open the scroll. And then the angel said, wait a minute. Here comes someone that can, the scrolls was going to tell us what's happening in the future. You know, and in his vision, John on the island of Patmos in the book of Revelation, he saw Jesus. The angel said, look, behold the Lamb of God. Because he's worthy to take the scroll. Because he died as a ransom for the sins of men. Nobody else. Nobody else but Jesus. You see. So, as much as we try to live in the order of God, there are many things that, that, that you can't fix yourself. And one of the big mistakes that we make as human beings, we try to fix ourselves. That's why I get so agitated if people say, I, say, I haven't seen you in church for a while. They say, no, I'm going through some problems. After I fix myself, you'll see me back in church again. I said, what? I says, what? You fix yourself? Let Jesus fix it for you, brother. Your pot is cracked. Your relationship that's broken. You can't fix it. Your lukewarmness, your coldness, your heart that is not with God as it should be, it's, it's, it's out of order. You can't fix it, but Jesus can. All power is given to Him. The Lamb of God. Let Him fix it for you. Hallelujah. That's why the worship of Jesus is the function of the church. Hallelujah. There's not a friend like him. The Bible says he seeketh closer than a brother. And this is the message that we as the church is supposed to carry out. Paul said, I preach Christ and him crucified. And that's what I'm preaching to you today. Jesus Christ is the friend you need that will be closer to you than a brother because the boyfriend has promised you has left you. Your father has disappointed you. Your mother couldn't give you what you thought. But there is not a friend like the lowly Jesus. Lowly means humble. No, not one. 
He's the one that saves and delivers. He's the one that can fix. You see, if both husband and wife turn the pages of the Bible and start to walk in that order, with the help of the Holy Spirit, then comfort will return, peace will return, glory, strife will go, ah, cast out the scorner. This is the order of God. Don't let the scorner be amongst you. Cast him out. And peace will come. Strife and contention will stop. Why is there strife in your house, my sister? Why is there strife in your life, my brother? You are out of order. Something is broken. Something is broken. It must be mended. He said, Jeremiah, go to the potter's house. I will speak to you there. He said, when I came, I saw a man, a potter making a, a jar of clay. But it didn't turn out the way I wanted it to. Has your life turned out the way God wanted it to? Maybe there's many cracks in your vessel. And maybe you think of, of, a, of a repair job, but it won't really fix you because you need a complete remake. And that's where the Bible talks about you must be born again. Nicodemus said, how can I go into my mother's womb? Jesus said, you are supposed to be a learned man, but you don't even know the spiritual things I'm speaking about. Unless a man be born again. Unless the potter can make you again, you cannot enter the kingdom. In my book, I talk about the kingdom of God as the rule of God where the order is. Are you with me? Jesus said, pray that what is it like in heaven must be like here. There's no dirt there. There's no fighting there. There's no arguments there. There's understanding there. The best place that possibly teaches order is the army because of the ranking and the subjection to authority. But the army has no mercy. That's the difference. God has mercy. You should have been punished, you. But His mercy is new in the morning. And He said, Oh Israel, as the clay is in the hands of the potter, so are you in my hands. And many of us need a makeover, a complete. Uh, we need to allow the potter to take us in, turn us, because we need to return to the order. How will you know the order? The evidence will be there. Well, what things will be there? Peace, comfort, security. You don't have it? Something is broken. Something is broken. You can't use a, 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 a toaster to boil water. Can you? No, it must be used for the purpose. You must read the manual and see what is this thing useful. What's the proper way to use it? I close. It's a warfare. It's a warfare. God is obsessed with order. This is, I heard from Dr. Mike, he, he said one day he asked, what is God's obsession? He thought it was love and later he discovered it was order. He actually makes a, a challenging statement in his book. He says, God is not obsessed with souls. He loves souls, but he's more obsessed with order. In other words, an evangelist who wins many souls, who is out of order, or who has sin in his life, and wants to continue winning souls, God will either rebuke him and cause him to stop because of the order of the church that's important for God. 
Are you listening to me? So all my fighting and my bickering, and I always wondered, what is wrong with me? It's, it's, it's inbred to restore things that are out of order. I, I don't like things that are not right. I don't like it. So I'm always speaking, always talking. And I think that's the type of person God wants to use. When David came and saw Goliath, teasing and rebuking and profaning the word of God, the, 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 the God of Israel, there was a holy anger inside of him. He said, this is out of order. You can't speak like this of my God. And that thing that was in God was now in David. Do you think God was happy that Goliath had spoke such bad things about him? So the same, the will of God that was in heaven was now the same thing that was in David. And when the two of their worlds fused into one, you shall bind on earth what is already bound in heaven and you shall loose on earth what is loosed in heaven. We bind all this order in the name of Jesus. But the order of sin we cannot bind. You need the blood of Jesus to cleanse you. It's God's restore, restorative process bringing you back. So the message of order is the message of mercy. God is bringing people back to Himself. When the prodigal son left his house and spoke rudely to his father about his inheritance, would you agree with me he was out of and then when he went into the pigsty, he saw there was no peace, there was no comfort, there was no security. He realized he has to go back to his father's house. He has to come back to. And when he came back there, he saw, ah, I'll even be a servant in my father's house. Because they are better than what we have. Bow your heads and close your eyes. Hallelujah. And I'm praying for all, even those watching me on Facebook, whether you watch it live or later. The potter wants to put you back together again. If you are broken, you need to stop by the fixer. Nobody can fix this problem we have problem of our sins man's problem man's number one problem is the problem of sin how can God get you back how can God mend the broken relationship this thing that is out of order he has already done so by sending Jesus Christ to die in your place in my place all you have to do is to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. All you have to do is to confess that you are a sinner and that you need a Savior. And Jesus Christ will mend your broken hearts. So I want to pray for those listening to me via Facebook, but I also want to pray for you here that are alive. I don't know what your need is. You, you, there's something in your life that's not working well. We could also say that's out of order. And you need the potter the potter, the potter to mend you again. I want you to put up your hand if you want me to include you in prayer as I pray for the people over television. I repeat this words after me. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, I've wandered far away from God, but now I'm coming home. I'm returning to the proper order. I'm returning to the proper place where I belong. Please forgive my sins. Please wash me with your precious blood. Please, Lord, change my life. Give me a new heart and a new desire to follow you. I want to serve you. Everything that is out of order, please restore it back to its proper order. Dear God, I need peace. I need protection. And I need the comfort that you promised me. Oh Lord, I, I surrender to you. Please mold me. 
as the potter moldeth in the clay and make me a new vessel. Make me a new vessel. Make me all over again. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen.